Good morning. Please turn to Acts chapter 16. Let's have a word of prayer. Oh, Father, we're mindful of how much light we need. And Father, we, we need your light. You give us light in your word. Father, you've shown in our hearts and transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Oh Lord, would you have mercy on us now as we read your word, as we study it, as we think about these things. Our desire is to hear about people coming to faith and that it would strengthen our faith and that we would come to faith and remain in faith. Father, you know me. I'm a man. But I ask that you bless me and help me and speak to your people through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So, last time we read verses 1 through 15 of chapter 16. If you remember, they left Cilicia and they kept going west and came to Derby first and then to Lystra. And remember, you know, I was thinking about this just now as we were singing Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus and the, the conflict that's happening because um, the the dark hates the light and won't come to the light and runs from the light and opposes the light. And the bravery that Paul and Silas had going back to Lystra, having been left outside the city in a human pile of bloody mess left for dead, but later they go back there again. And that's where he met Timothy, a believing um, son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother. He's well spoken of. Believers that we are told, they see his faith. They see that the grace of God is with him. Paul also sees that. He desires to bring him along the mission. You remember there there was a small problem though. His mother being Jewish, they would view him as a Jew, but he was not circumcised. So they would, any synagogue that he went to, that would become a huge problem. Paul, even though they, we just had this discussion that it's not necessary for salvation, Paul circumcises him anyway. So, and the text says, because of the Jews that were there. We think just um, to remove any possibility of a stumbling block. So now we see, we saw in the ministry, Paul, Silas, and now Timothy are traveling together. And they're going back to all the places they had visited before, strengthening them in their faith. The Bible says more people were coming to be saved daily. The churches were growing. The Spirit of God is leading them where they should go. You remember that we read that they wanted to go to this certain place, but the Spirit said, no, don't go there. And so they said, okay, well, we'll go to this place. The Spirit told them, no, don't go there either. And so they're going where the Spirit is leading them. And eventually, they... um, Paul receives a vision from a man calling them to come help in Europe. 
which they had not intended to go yet, but the Spirit and this vision led them to go there. They believed that the vision was from the Lord, and they sought to go to that area. Um, And then we find out also, verse 10 of chapter 16, the writer of Acts is Luke. Right? You remember? He's writing this as a follow-up letter to one Theophilus. And he says there in verse 10, When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia. And so up until this point, Luke has not written it as if he was there with them, but just giving an account of what had happened to them and through them. We don't know if this means he's been with them the whole time, or he's just now with them, actually, on this part of the journey. But we talked about that last time, too. Now we have Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke all traveling together, preaching the gospel, planting churches. I mean, this is, this is like the dream team in, in the Olympic basketball some years ago. These are all the heavy hitters. I mean, many of the heavy hitters, God used them greatly in the establishment of the church. Um, so eventually, they arrive at Philippi. And um, what we know about Philippi is it was a leading city in the region and a Roman colony. And really, this is the first church in Europe that we know of. What, what ends up happening there. And if you remember, there was no synagogue. They went to a place that was, quote, a supposed place of prayer. And when they arrived there, they preached to the women that were there. And there was one, Lydia, who was a seller of purple. And the Bible says that she was a worshiper of God. But she didn't know about Jesus yet. And they preached the gospel to her, and she is converted. The Bible says God opened her heart to pay attention. She didn't open her heart to pay attention. God opened her heart to pay attention to the things that Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke were preaching. So she comes to faith, and from what we know from the Bible, she's the first convert in Europe. Others are there too. We're not told about their faith in that moment. It seems like of the women that time, she was the only believer. Verse 15, being a believer now, Lydia was baptized, including other believers in her household. And the Bible says that she urged them, please stay at my house. Stay at my house. And the Bible says that she prevailed upon us. So they did stay at her house. That leads us to today's section. We'll read 16 through the end of the chapter. So this is Acts 16, verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. 
Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Verse 35, when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. This section really has has a lot to do with the reputation of the church and the ministers of the church, I think. We'll get there. Verse 16, they're going to a place of prayer. Seems to be the same place that they originally met Lydia. Same place where people go to pray. And there's a slave girl there who has some sort of communication with demonic power, a demonic influence on her. And I can't explain all this, but somehow with this demonic influence, she can predict things. She can tell things that will happen in the future. 
Definitely God is not doing this. God strictly forbids this in multiple places in the Old Testament. Going to fortune tellers and necromancers and mediums, magicians, witches is strictly forbidden. But this is interesting because what the Spirit is doing is not a lie. When I say spirit, I mean the evil spirit in her or influencing her is not lying. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. They are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming the way of salvation. So what's the problem? Why is Paul annoyed by this? And I think... It has to do with the reputation of their ministry. He wants it to be clear. We're not working together. This is evil that she's doing. Yes, it's true. We are servants of the Most High God, but we don't condone what's going on here. And finally, after many days, I mean, how many is many days? I don't know. 20 days? He finally has had enough of this spirit, and by God's power, he rebukes the spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out. And it goes out. And typically what would happen in this case is people should be happy. The demonic power that had been oppressing her and had been upon her life is now gone. They should praise God for it. But we, as we often see in the scriptures, people are interested in money more than the well-being of people. When her owners saw their hope of gain was gone, so she's a slave girl who is their property, and she makes them money. Hey, let us talk to the slave girl. I want to know if I should build my business in June or August. This is very important overseas, if you don't know that. When people have open houses or start a new business or plan for some important event in their lives, they really seek to know what day is going to be the perfect day, the lucky day, the day that's going to make my business thrive. And so they will consult with various uh, authorities on subjects like this, and the guy will tell them, let me think about it and then come back tomorrow. And don't bring your checkbook when you come back tomorrow. And they'll say, okay, I thought about it. And I think of the two dates you gave me, August 19 is the lucky day. That's the day you should do it. Seems to be something like that going on here. People would pay the owners to have the girl tell them their future or something. And so, as Paul rebukes the spirit, and the spirit is now gone, so is her ability to to predict whatever it was she was predicting before. And now they've got no more money coming in from the slave girl, which makes them angry. They seize Paul and Silas. We're not told that Timothy and Luke were seized. Not sure where they are while this is going on, or why they're not put in prison. Um... They seize them, they bring them to the marketplace before the rulers, the magistrates, which are, you know, kind of like police, but higher up police that are, their duties are to, to keep civil peace. When, when riots start happening, it's their job to break it up and calm everybody back down. 
Um, so when they brought them to the magistrates, verse 20, these men are Jews, they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Okay, that is not what happened, right? They're lying. That is not what happened. What happened was they cast the evil spirit out of the slave girl and they're mad now because they don't have any more prophets coming in. But what they say is a lie. These men are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us. That's not why they're mad. They're mad because they don't have the money coming in anymore. Verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them. So whatever it is that they're saying, they're stirring people up. People are mad. They tear the garments off of them. And their or give um, orders are given to beat them with rods. When they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. And he did that. And even their feet are quote fastened in the stocks. So they've been arrested, beaten, jailed over an accusation that wasn't true without a trial, without a hearing this is the second time this has happened to Paul right? he was beaten before and jailed without a hearing verse 25 about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God this is a beautiful thing isn't it? how do you handle Adversity, and this is no common adversity, right? I mean, you are being persecuted for your faith. Bodily harm is coming to you. What's the proper response? To, to cry and, and be fearful? Seems like what they're doing is they're praying and singing. Having been inflicted with, quote, many blows. We talked about this a couple, a couple uh, sermons ago, but I want to revisit it. They had desires to go to different areas to preach, and the Spirit led them there. And then they first get there, we're, we're told that they don't really, not much goes on for a while. After they've been there, quote, some days is when they meet Lydia. But do you... For us, if bad things happen, we kind of second-guess whether we should have done it at all. Oh, maybe that decision I made was wrong, or maybe God's not with me after all. And what we see from them is steadfast faith, bravery, courage. I mean, the, the faith of the disciples is increasing, isn't it? We see when Jesus is arrested and um, you know Jesus predicted that Peter was going to deny him three times, but they all fled. It's not just Peter you know, followed and then denied, but the other disciples just scattered. Now we have them going into all the world being beaten publicly and they do not shrink back. They, they, their faith is growing. God is blessing them. And 
Even it's being used in a way to witness to others. Silas and Paul were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them, the text says. People will watch you and they will see how you interact with adversity. What's your attitude like? Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Or do you practice what you preach? Verse 28, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. This seems to be a uh, small area earthquake, right? The magistrates don't know that there was an earthquake that opened all the doors in a few, few more verses when we read. They have no idea that that's happened. They think they're all still locked up as they should be. So I don't know if this is a, an earthquake that, you know, let's say this is the prison and God just went, you know, just in that one spot. Not sure. But whatever it is, it's a supernatural event. You know, if an earthquake happened, it wouldn't make all the stocks come unlocked on all the prisoners or all the doors open at the same time. This is definitely supernatural event. And, you know, we don't really know exactly how the jail situation was, but it's nighttime, right? They're not going to have light, candles burning all night long in all the cells. Or if it's just one big cell and they're all chained up. But maybe a light on the outside and the jailer is able to see that the doors are open after he, wake, quote, wakes up like it. Was that part of his fault too? He's sleeping on the job. He's supposed to be awake. Supposed to be watching to make sure they don't escape. 27, when the jailer woke, he's sleeping. Perhaps he felt the earthquake. He saw the doors were open and he drew a sword and was going to kill himself. You know, he, he knows the consequences of letting them escape. Basically, he knows that his job is important and he knows the people that he works for. And he says, when they find out these guys have all escaped, I'm a dead man. I'm just going to kill myself. Be a lot easier and better than what they'll do to me. And Paul cries out, don't do that. We're, he we're in here. No need to kill yourself. The prisoners have not escaped. We're just free. And this is very interesting to me. Why didn't they flee? Wouldn't you take that as a sign? God just delivered us. Let's go. I don't know why they stayed. Perhaps the Spirit wanted them to stay to be instrumental in this jailer's conversion. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights. So now we're bringing the lights back in there. It's been overnight, but let's bring the lights in there so we can see what's going on. And trembling with fear, he falls down before Paul and Silas and asks, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is the, one of the main reasons why we say this when people say, what do we do? What should we do to be saved? We will say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Why do we say that? Because that's what God's minister said. That's what the scriptures teach about the gospel. 
Faith. Verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus. You will be saved, you and your household. Now, sometimes people will say, well, he he sort of believed for his family. I mean, definitely if the parents have influence over their household, right? And especially the male does have influence. And if he says, listen, no more Roman idols in the house. Get that out. Well, they'll they'll do it. But he's not going to believe for them. Verse 32, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. So they're all hearing the word, not just him. All of them. And he took them the same hour of night and washed their wounds. Remember, they had been beaten with many blows. Wounds that were not attended to, it seems like. They've been beaten publicly and shoved in a jail and just left to suffer with no treatment for the wounds that they've received. The jailer, though, being pitying them now after being converted, washes their wounds. And the Bible says he was baptized at once. He and all his family. No idea where they did that. Did they go out in the middle of the night? They left the jail, went to a river real quick? I have no idea. But the result is he brings them up into his house. So he takes them out of the jail. They're free. They could have run away. They didn't. God was merciful to the jailer. He's now a brother. Now he invites the prisoners, come up and eat with me and my family. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So, while this is going on, the magistrates are thinking, what are we going to do about these guys that we just threw in jail yesterday? I mean, the crowd has calmed down now. We'll just let them go. We've already beaten them. I mean, we'll just let them go. Which is fine. The jailer is told the same thing. Verse 36. The jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. No doubt he thinks this is a good thing. Therefore, come out. Go in peace. Sorry all that happened. They've said now, you're free to go. And as we go back to the reputation of the church, Paul is saying, they beat us publicly and made us look evil. They need to apologize publicly so that everybody knows we're not wrong in this situation. They were wrong for doing what they did. Very bold in in many ways, isn't it? He refuses to slip away quietly. They have, verse 37, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, and thrown us into prison. Do they now send us out secretly? Do they throw us out secretly? He says, no, that's not going to happen. Let them come down here themselves so that everybody can see publicly the magistrates are letting us go because they, were, they shouldn't have jailed us in the first place. 
Roman law, what we, what we know about it from that time is it did not allow for beatings and jailings to happen to Roman citizens without official inquiries as to what was going on. A, quote, hearing. You hear the root word in hearing? To hear what happened and then decide whether people need to get beaten and jailed. Paul says, y'all are not following the law. We're Romans. The whole thing was wrong. If you would have listened to us, you would have known they made up the accusation because they were mad they had lost their prophets. But in the providence of God, the jailer is now saved. The others who heard the word and believed are saved. You understand, things happen that we don't plan for and wouldn't want to happen. But it does happen. And we say, well, God has a purpose in the things that he does. No one can stay his hand. Or even the even questioning of God in many ways is ridiculous. You're going to question me? You're clay. The clay doesn't talk back to the potter. The clay is just doing whatever the potter wants. And I understand that God allows for questioning. He's very merciful and long-suffering with us. And there's a long history in the scriptures of godly people um, debating with God and asking questions and thinking, this doesn't seem right, Lord. And, and he's very merciful. And just like when Gideon put the fleece, you know, those two events, he says, let, let the fleece be wet and the ground dry. Okay, that happened, but let's just be double, triple sure. Can we reverse the things that are going to be wet? And God does that too. And that encourages Gideon. But listen, he should have believed God. When God told him, you're going to be a mighty warrior for me, he should have said, yes, sir. Tell me where to go. Give me my weapons. I'm ready. And God was gracious to him. But I've heard people try to use that fleece story as like a pattern that we should do. I disagree. He should have obeyed God. Why did he need further confirmation? Wasn't God speaking to him? Anyway, we don't know exactly what's going on all the time. Most of the time, we don't know what's going on. But God is using us in powerful ways, eternal ways. Be like these men and, and great um, I mean Paul's body has to be looking pretty rough at this point, right? He's been stoned and left for dead and now beaten with many blows with rods along with Silas and they won't stop and they keep going and they're imprisoned after being beaten and just shoved in a cell and locked up and they pray and sing. Can, can you imitate their faith? 
Can I, can I even push you harder? Imitate their faith. Do it. It's right. And the prisoners were listening. They're singing and praising God, and the prisoners were listening. So verse 39, we, verse 38, the police um, report to the magistrates, and they say, they said they're not coming out. They're Roman citizens, and you beat them with no cause. And they are afraid immediately. I had no idea they were Roman citizens. Oh man, we gotta we gotta clean this up quick before somebody higher up than us finds out about this. We'll be in trouble. Verse 39, they came and apologized to them, which is what Paul wanted them to do. You've beaten us publicly, you've marred the image of the church of God that we are trying to establish here by making us look like criminals. You need to apologize. In verse 39, they did. They came and apologized them and took them out and asked them to leave the city. No doubt trying to get rid of them so that the story of them being beaten for no reason will also go away with them. Verse 40, they go out of the prison and they visit Lydia before they go on to the next village. And they visit Lydia and the other believers. They encourage them before they depart. Exciting times in the church, but we've seen the same pattern again. I told you at the beginning of the study that the pattern repeats again and again. People preach the gospel, God moves. People are saved. Opposition comes. Trial comes. And they go on to the next place. And it repeats. And it repeats. And even though the trials keep coming, God keeps winning. Even in weakness, His disciples are strong. But not because they're just super strong. It's because of the God that they believe in. Because of the God who strengthens them. Are you weak in your faith? Do you feel feeble? Remember whom you've believed in. He is mighty to save, He is able to save to the uttermost. And he's always listening, like we've been reading about. He's a high priest, never takes a break. He's never sleeping. He's never on vacation. There's never a sign on the door that says, be back at two. He's always there. Quote, he always lives to make intercession. If your faith is feeble, if you're discouraged, Cry out to your advocate and ask him to help you, and he will. And when he helps you, give thanks. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you um, have saved this account for us. We thank you that you worked in Luke to write these things down, and from all the scribes through the years that copied it, and... um, language scholars that translated it for us. 
And Father, we pray that you'd help us to imitate the faith of these believers that have come before us. Would you help us? Our desire is to be sincere believers. Our desire is to see how these people handled trials and adversity and sorrows and to imitate their faith. Please strengthen our faith, each one. Please, Lord. We love you. We thank you that you love us. We pray that you'd be with us in our fellowship today and the rest of our time. That it would, it would build us up. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.